Let's bow our heads together in prayer before we go to the Word together. Our precious Heavenly Father, we gather together now to open Your Word, to examine it for Your truths, to be challenged, to be encouraged, to be built up, and even even to be admonished. We need Your correction. We need Your wisdom, Your hand of guidance. And so, Lord, I pray as we come to Your Word today that we would allow You to send Your Word deep into our hearts. Lord, I pray that You would take my feeble words and use them for Your glory. And Lord, I pray that You would take Your Word and send it deep into our hearts and lives and let that not be forgotten. What You have spoken in Your Word, help us to hide it in our hearts. Help us to treasure it in the way that we live. Lord, help us to humble ourselves before You today and Your open Word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A couple of weeks ago, uh, Carolyn and I had the, the wonderful privilege of traveling to Chicago for the the... Moody Bible Institute's Pastors Conference. They call it Moody Pastor Pastors Conference for short, but if I don't tell you it's Moody Bible Institute, you'll think it's for for depressed pastors or something. <laughs> um, it's Moody Bible Institute's Pastors Conference, and Carolyn and I attended that. More, wonderful speakers uh, that week and very challenging messages, but... Um, like you, the things that I remember most are the illustrations. Um, one, one of the speakers used an illustration, which I think is fitting for us this morning, and he used the illustration of the, of the, uh, of the game that you watch on television. Anybody ever watch the ESPN Classic channel? You know how they rerun these games from yesteryear? Um, if you watch one of those games on that channel, you uh, you realize that that game has already been won, right? That game is already over and done. And and usually, if you're like me, you don't sit down and watch a game like that unless you already know the outcome of that game. And especially if it's your team, like, I don't know, like when Ohio State plays Michigan or something like that. <laughs> And I'm watching that game, and I know my team wins, right? And so it makes that game very different than the first time I saw it. At this time, I'm not worried about whether they fumble the ball or whether they get intercepted or whether they you know, run some stupid play um, because I know my team wins. I don't care what happens during the game. And that was the illustration that, that this minister used, and I used it this morning because I think it's fitting for where we're headed today. It's also kind of like watching one of these uh, TV programs. You ever watch one of these series on TV where there's there's uh, some prominent figure that's the hero? You know, he's this guy cannot possibly die because he's the hero, and he's the whole point of this whole series. And so every week you watch a part of the show and you go, well, you know, sure he's in danger, but I'm not worried because he's got to come back next week. So it makes the the outcome very different. We. We watch those games, we watch those TV shows, you know, we know that, that everything's okay, so we watch with a very different perspective, don't we? You know ahead of time who wins if you're going to watch those games on that classic 
sports channel. You know, you know ahead of time that the hero is going to be okay if you watch those uh, series where this uh, it's built around this prominent individual. Wouldn't you love to know that uh, victory is yours as followers of Christ? Wouldn't you love to know that victory is yours? You need to know that ultimately, if you are a follower of Christ, you can know that victory is yours. The outcome is already settled. Jesus is victorious. Jesus does reign at the right hand of the Father. And Jesus will reign for all of eternity. And so as a follower of Christ, you need to know that you can have confidence that you are a victor. You are a victor in Jesus Christ. God's purposes will come to be. God's purposes will always prevail. And that's the truth that we find in Romans. Just listen to Romans chapter 8. We're going to go to 1 John chapter 2 in just a moment, but I want you to listen to these passages from Romans chapter 8, verse 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. How are we conquerors? Through Jesus Christ, right? It's all on Jesus Christ. It's not on us. It's on Jesus Christ. For I am sure, verse 38, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's all on Jesus our victory is secure. Our victory is sure because of Jesus Christ. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you know the outcome of the game. You know what happens in the end. You know you're already a victor. But what about in your personal spiritual life? Wouldn't it be wonderful to know that you will be victorious as a believer? that you can be victorious as a believer? Wouldn't it be wonderful to know I can be and I will be victorious as a follower of Christ? Wouldn't it be wonderful to have that kind of confidence about your faith, your daily faith? Wouldn't it be wonderful to know that you can defeat the devil on a daily basis? You know what? You and I need daily victory over the devil. If you don't realize that, I need, I need to tell you this morning that you need to daily have victory over the devil. You need to have daily victory over the evil one. You know, don't you, that the devil is working to tempt you to sin? You realize that, right? You can know that you will be a victor over Satan and his schemes. You can know it. And what we find in 1 John chapter 2 this morning is very real encouragement to believers in the church that there is reason for great hope. I want you to go with me to 1 John chapter 2, and in a moment we're going to look at verses 12 through 14. You can find real encouragement here because I find great encouragement in these verses for believers that there is reason for great hope that believers are victorious, that followers of Jesus Christ are victorious and our victors daily. In 1 John, we find that there's a 
as we've been studying here in 1 John, there's this dual theme that we find kind of throughout the book of 1 John. It's really unmistakably woven throughout uh, 1 John. The, the theme, theme number one is, is that John writes so that believers will not sin. We've seen that, haven't we, in our study here in 1 John. John writes, and he says so, I'm writing so that you will not sin, that you may not sin. And so that's one of the overriding themes here in 1 John, warning believers to guard themselves against sin. Theme number two is that believers will know that they have eternal life, that believers will know that they are secure in Christ, that believers will know that they can have victory over sin. And those two themes are kind of interwoven throughout 1 John. Now this is the dual theme that's found in 1 John, of guarding your heart from sin and assurance and joy because victory is ours over the devil. Now as we come to verses 12 through 14, what we find is the second theme. The second theme is emphasized here in these three verses. That of this theme of encouragement. It is one of hope building. It is one of faith building of the believers that they are victors in Christ. That they are victors in Christ. We see the first indicator of this in verse 12. Let's look at verses 12 through 14. But the first indicator of this, that that believers are victors in Christ, is in verse 12 here. Look at verse 12. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for His name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know Him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know Him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the Word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. Now before I go any further, let's note a couple of things first. First, I want you to note that what John says here Just be cautious here that you're not thinking little children and young men and older men, okay? Because what what John says here is applicable to all of us. This is for all of God's churches. This is for all believers. Not just younger and older men, but all believers. These, These statements aren't just for men, okay? They're for all believers. I will just insert here, men, (laughs) that what John talks about here, we got to take very seriously as men that, that God has given us a great responsibility for leadership in the home and in the church. And if we don't do it with God's word, he will hold us accountable for that. Okay, If we don't set the example as men in our homes and in God's church, he will hold us accountable for that. And so we need to set the example with how we lead. That's just a side note here. But, but he is speaking to more than just Young men and older men. He states young men and older men. But we can know that he's talking to more than, than simply two groups of people because of what he says right at the beginning in verse 12. We know this because like several other times in 1 John, if you read through 1 John, you'll see this statement, I think about five or six times, where he uses the term little children. And he is addressing the church. He is addressing believers. He's speaking to the believers in the church when he says, I am writing to you, little children. And then he goes on to to address, I think in a way, to address 
people who are more mature by talking about older men and then people who are less mature in the faith. And we're talking about maturity as believers. And this doesn't have anything to do with chronology of age. It has everything to do with with whether or not you are a maturing believer or an adolescent believer. And so that's what I think John is talking about here. Not necessarily little children, as in we view little children, or young men or older men. He's talking about little children, the church in general, believers in general, and then young men being young believers, adolescent believers who are growing in the faith, and older men who are maturing in the faith, who are, who are more mature in the faith. Okay. Now note too, as we look at this passage, it's repetitious, isn't it? We think, why the, repeti- why the repetition? Why did John repeat these statements in verses 12 through 14? Here's the answer. We don't know. I don't know. I don't know really. Neither do Bible scholars. But we do know this. When something is repeated in God's Word, why is it repeated? It's usually for emphasis, right? To emphasize the point. So, Bible scholars don't know why he repeats it, but I think we can assume that the reason he repeats it is because this is important, right? And like other things in God's Word that that get repeated, they're repeated for a reason. We need to hear them again. We need to have the emphasis driven home. It's kind of like a parent with a child. Right, parents? And as, as I've grown as a parent, I've learned that I actually have to do this more than less. It's repeat yourself. You, I call that growing as a parent. That's what I do. I, I say that's growing, that, that I have to repeat myself. Ch- children say that that's just repetitious. You know, that that's just why you're just wasting a lot of hot air, right? As a parent, you say, it's wise of me to repeat myself because if I don't repeat myself, my children won't hear me. And so, in our house, we go, listen. And I try to, you know, you try to get them to look at the eyes, you turn the TV off and you get distractions away and you put, make them put down their toys and you go, look, look at me, listen. This is important. This is what I want you to remember. And you tell them, right? And you say, now, you know, did you hear me? This is really important. I'm going to say it one more time. I want to make sure you hear me. And you tell them again. And then, this is what I've learned in the last few years, you have to go one more step and you have to say, tell me what I said. <laughs> you know? It took me a long time to learn that. I'll just give you a heads up if you're a young parent. Start saying that early, okay? Say, tell me what I said. All right? Because you'll find yourself repeating yourself again. Okay? No, no, that's not what I said. That's not what I meant. That's what, that may have been what you thought I said, but that's not what I said. What I said was, alright. We see that here, don't we? This repetition. That's why I think it's here. We saw that on the way to Chicago. We were driving down the interstate and there are uh, construction zones as we entered Illinois and, um, these monstrous blaze orange construction signs that warn, I think, I can't remember, I think it said something like a thousand or maybe five thousand dollar fine and ten years in prison for injuring or killing a road worker with your automobile because you break in the laws, you know, the traffic laws. One, one sign identical on both sides of the road. You couldn't miss them. And just in case you did miss them, about a hundred yards later, there's another set of identical signs just like them. This is serious, you know. I'm going to slow down. That's that's why the repetition is here, I think. We need this reminder that, that John gives the church, that John gives believers. What John says is worth repeating. But unlike the parent with a child or those road signs, these are not warnings so much that John is repeating. John repeats and gives emphasis for the purpose of giving hope and encouragement. 
How, how many of you need hope and encouragement almost every day, right? I need to be reminded that there is hope in, in God. There is hope in God's Word, that there is encouragement for me here. And I'm so thankful that what we have here is repeated for our hope and for our encouragement, that we are victors in Jesus Christ, and we can be victors daily. John repeats, and he gives emphasis for this purpose of giving hope, for this purpose of giving encouragement. Look at me, look, look with me again at, at verse 12. The first, the first sign of hope for those who believe in Jesus that they are victors. They're, here's this first sign of hope in verse 12. I am writing to you, little children, and here it is, because your sins are forgiven, for His name's sake. You can be a victor daily because your sins are forgiven for His name's sake. Can I address you as little children? Little children? God's people? Followers of Christ? Believers? Little children, victory is yours because your sins are forgiven for His name's sake. And there's an important statement here that we had better not overlook. Your hope and my hope, and we ought to thank God for this, your hope and my hope does not rest in our own worthiness to be forgiven. Do you you get that? Your hope and my hope does not rest in our own worthiness to be forgiven. Because if it did, we would not be. Do you understand that? God's Word makes that very clear again and again, that we are not worthy of being forgiven. That This is an erroneous belief that some have, and you'll hear it at times. Some people will say, well, I just think God saw something good in me. That's not what God's Word says. God's Word reminds us there is no good thing in us. There is no good reason for forgiveness. The only good reason is something that's external, is something outside of us, and is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on our behalf. So you need to take great hope and encouragement and take great strength from the fact. As John writes to little children believers, because your sins are forgiven. For His name's sake. Not your name's sake. His name's sake. We aren't worthy of being forgiven. We are only forgiven because of the name of Jesus Christ. And because Jesus paid it all, it's all to Him we owe. As the hymn says, sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. There is hope for the believer in Jesus because of the name of Jesus. And because of the name of Jesus, you are forgiven your sins when you repent and believe in Jesus. Now look at the first part of verse 13. In verse 13, John says, I am writing to you, fathers, because you know Him who is from the beginning. And he says it again at the beginning of verse 14. And at the end of verse 13, he comes back and says, I write to you children because you know the Father. Now the second reason for the believer's confidence that they are victors is in the fact that you can know 
the one who is from the beginning. That is Jesus Christ. And you can know the Father. You see, Jesus Christ makes a relationship, a personal relationship with God possible. Without Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross for our sins, we are eternally separated from God. And we cannot have a personal relationship with a God from whom we are separated because of our sin. We need something to come and take the place for us. We can't take our own place. We will be punished for our sin unless someone comes in and says, you are forgiven. I take the punishment for your sin and yours and yours and yours. Right? And that is just what Jesus Christ does. You can know the one who paid the penalty for your sin and you can know the one who sent him to pay the penalty for your sin. And you can know his commands and you can be guarded against sin if you keep his commands. There is great hope in knowing that you can know the Father and you can know the Son. The Son who gave Himself and the Father who sent Him to do so. Now note the third reason for hope which John first mentions in the second half of verse 13. He says in verse 13, in the second half of verse 13, because you have overcome the evil one. And then again, look at verse 14. At the end of verse 14, it says, and you have overcome the evil one. But I want you to know what precedes that statement by John in the beginning of verse 14. John notes the why. What we find here is the why and the how believers are overcoming the evil one. He says, you have overcome the evil one. Well, my question is, how in the world did they do that? John wants us to know, and so does God. God's Word wants us to know. Look at it, beginning of verse 14. I write to you, young man, because you are strong. Okay, they're overcoming the evil one because they're strong. And the Word of God abides in you. This is not something that we should just quickly pass by. John encourages the believers with this statement, and it's why they and we are able to defeat the evil one. Because you are strong, okay? That's that's good, that's important, let's be strong. But we need to know how, don't we? How do we become strong for defeating the evil one? And note how they became strong for defeating the devil. They are strong for defeating the devil because they have the Word of God in them. That's what it means for God's Word to abide in us. When God's Word abides in us, it means that it changes the way that we think as opposed to how the world thinks and how Satan wants us to think. They are strong for defeating the devil because they have the Word of God in them. Verse 14, And the Word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one you need to realize that that your strength as a Christian for overcoming Satan is gained by getting the Word of God into you and by abiding in God's Word and making sure that God's Word abides in you. What does it mean to have God's Word abide in you? I think it means many things. Let me give you some examples. To have God's Word abiding in me means that when... 
when my wife does something that exasperates me, which is like only once every 20 years, <laughs> that I don't lash out. Because I know that God's Word tells me to love my wife as God loves the church and gave Himself up for the church. Gentlemen, that's a, that's a tremendous example for us to follow. That's a very high standard for how we treat our spouses, isn't it? Here's what it means to have God's Word abide in you. You might have a coworker who spurns you because you're a, you know, you're one of those religious freaks. You know, you're a Christian, you're a Bible thumper or whatever it is, you know. And yet, you love them anyway. And you even try to encourage them and help them in the workplace and to try to make their lives better as you work with them so that they'll, they'll realize that you're a real person who loves because of Jesus Christ. And you do that because God's Word tells you to, and you know God's Word is true, and you know the outcome. And so you live in a different way than that coworker does. Here's another way God's Word abides in you. It comes time for taxes to be filed. We just got through that, right? And you realize you could fudge some numbers because nobody will know. But yet, you know God knows. And you know God's Word says to render under Caesar what is Caesar's, right? And so you, you do the right thing. You know God's Word is abiding in you. Just very simply, you know God's Word is abiding in you when God's Word changes the way you think every day. That's how God's Word is showing itself to be abiding in you and me. Oh, we need God's Word to abide in us, don't we? You know what? The world needs God's Word to abide in us. We would like for God's Word to abide in the world, wouldn't we? Wouldn't you and I like to go out and say, hey, read the Bible, start obeying it, okay? Buster, right? But you know, what the world really needs is for believers, people who say they believe in God's Word, to take God's Word and get it into their lives so that as they leave this building and leave places of worship on Sundays and go out into the week ahead, they live in a way that's drastically different from the world around them. And so the people go, whoa, that's different. That's even kind of weird, you know. That why, why, is he, why is he being honest? Why is he being kind to me? Why is he doing the right thing? Why is, he, why is he not talking back to me and being mean back to me? The world needs to see us honoring God and obeying His Word. The, the world needs to see God's Word abiding in us and making a difference in us because the world needs that truth in them. And our strength as Christians for overcoming Satan is gained by getting God's Word into us. And so our hope for being victors is all based on the fact that when we get God's Word into us, we have strength for victory over Satan. How does God's Word do this work of building us up to defeat the devil? To defeat the evil one, it's when God's Word abides in us. It was February's memory verse. We, we memorize a short passage of Scripture in our Sunday school hour together every month, and February's verse was Psalm 119 and verse 11. I have stored up your Word in my heart. Some of your translations say, I've hidden your Word in my heart. I have stored up your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
Can I ask you a question this morning? Will you, will you seriously think about this? How do you intend to defeat the evil one? How do you intend to overcome the evil one's ploys in your life? You know, if it's not by storing up God's Word so that it abides in you, you're, you're going about it all wrong. If you think that you can just be a good person, if you can just come to church once a week and hear a message and sing some songs and go and be yourself the rest of the week and do your thing and ignore God's Word, I'm telling you that you are weak spiritually for what, for what God wants you to be strong in. He wants you to abide in His Word and He wants His Word to abide in you and He wants you to be equipped for, for the devil's schemes and ploys. Because even now, Satan would not like you to hear what I'm saying. And even now, some of us might be distracted, right? Things that lay ahead of us today or this week or the temperature in the room, you know, it is a little warm. It is for me anyway, right? We, anything that the Satan can use to distract us from God's truth, he will use. And so we've got to be diligent to work hard to put God's word into our own lives. I want you to note that in our passage today, John doesn't commend them for being strong in their own strength. And I'm not telling you to be strong in your own strength. I'm not telling you to go home and lift weights and be physically strong, you know, and and build yourself up and be self-disciplined and self-made. I'm not saying that. That's not what John was was, uh, commending them for either. These believers, he commends and encourages them because the battle is won because of Jesus Christ. He commends and encourages them that their sins had been forgiven because of the name of Jesus, because what Jesus Christ had accomplished for them on the cross and us. He commends and He encourages them because they know the Father and the Son. They know. They can have a personal relationship with the Father who sent the Son to take, take the punishment for their sin and our sin. And He commends and encourages them because they have God's Word in them. And that is why they were already victors. That is why we can be victors. We know the game plan. We know the end. We know the outcome. We know ultimately Jesus is victorious. Jesus is victorious over sin and death and hell. And there is eternal life for those who believe in Jesus Christ, who have repented of their sin and turned to Jesus Christ in saving faith. And we know that ultimately for believers there is ultimate victory. But you know what we need to know is that we can have daily victory. And that is why we are given God's Word. We know the game plan. We know the outcome. Victory is ours because of Christ. And we are equipped for the battle when His Word abides in us. So I challenge you to abide in God's Word to get into God's Word and let God's Word get into you and abide in you. May it be said of us that we are strong, that we are strong and the Word of God abides in us and and we have overcome the evil one. I I want to give you more instruction. I want to even give you more this morning, but we don't have time. I want to give you more instruction about how to abide in God's Word. We're going to do that next week. We're going to come back to this passage next time and to think about how do we abide in God's Word. It's really fairly simple. I don't want to overcomplicate it because 
overcomplication of God's Word, I think, is a crime, is a sin. We should not think that it's too hard to study God's Word, so I won't. Each and every person here today can get God's Word into their lives and can abide in God's Word. I want to suggest two things for you this week. Would you do this? If you do not already have a daily time in God's Word, and I mean daily, if you don't have daily time, and I, and I emphasize the daily time in God's Word because we eat every day, right? You, you eat food every day. Almost all of us probably eat food every day. <laughs> Most of us eat about three times a day, right? We're not going to go farther than that. I know that some of us eat more than that. That's all right. Don't look at me like that. We eat daily. How do you think you're going to survive spiritually if you don't take in God's Word, His spiritual food daily? And so would you do a couple things this week? I want to, if you're not, if this is new to you, I want you to just experiment with this this week, but I want you to, I want you to start with the intention of, of uh, keeping, keeping on. Two things I want you to do with me this week if you're, if you don't already have a, a regular time in God's Word daily. First of all, I want you to pray. You need to pray that God will help you to love His Word and obey it. It's one thing to say, oh God, I love your word, but, you know, I don't want to necessarily obey every letter of the law, you know. It's good for my neighbor. It's good for my kids. It's good for my spouse. But don't make me obey. No, I want you to pray this week. Would you pray daily? And often, you, you might need to pray this several times during the day that God, please help me to love your word. Help me to hunger for your word like I hunger for my next meal. Help me to love it, and then, Lord, help me to obey it. A very simple prayer, but, but from the heart, God wants you to pray that you would, that He would help you love His Word and take it in. And I believe God will honor that prayer if you will pray that sincerely and ask God to help you to love His Word and ask God to help you to obey His Word. And then, number two, read, read God's Word every day this week. I don't have a reading plan. I have reading plans. There are reading plans. If you want reading plans, I've got all kinds of Bible reading plans that will help you to go through a measured approach to God's Word. But simply read God's Word this week. Spend some time in God's Word every day. You need daily sustenance from God's Word. If you want a suggestion, let me suggest you go to 1 John this week where we're studying right now. And read 1 John this week. You could read 1 John every day. Five chapters, they're pretty short. Or you could read... A couple of chapters in the morning, three in the evening, or mix it up, however you want. Can I encourage you to do something? If you're not already reading God's Word daily, will you this week yield before God in prayer and ask Him to help you love His Word and learn how to abide in His Word? And then will you read His Word every day this week? And then when we come back next week, I'm going to give you some more insight into abiding in God's Word. You and I need to understand that we are strengthened for victory when God's Word abides in us. We cannot be assured of daily victory without God's Word abiding in us because the Holy Spirit will take His Word and use it in us to help us obey God and glorify God. Take your bulletin, would you please? Look inside your bulletin underneath the order of service. There is a scripture. It says May scripture memory. That should say June scripture memory because this is June already, believe it or not. Look at that memory verse. 
And I just love how God works because we picked out these memory verses at the beginning of the year, and I didn't plan to connect this with this message until this morning. I realized, wait a minute, that verse is right in line with where we are this, this morning. Would you stand with me, please? I want to read this passage of Scripture out loud together. We put these together, just a, a short memory verse every month to, to encourage you to start memorizing God's Word and to do something like this, to get started memorizing God's Word, but to not stop here. But let's say this passage together. Then shall I have an answer for him who taunts me, for I trust in your word. Amen. Amen. Then shall I have an answer for him who taunts me, for I trust in your word. You trust in God's word? I'll pray that you do. I'll pray for you this week that you will love God's Word and that you will obey God's Word and that you will read God's Word this week and every day from here on out. You and I need God's Word. I need this reminder that I need to be in God's Word daily. You and I need this. We need daily sustenance from this precious book that He's given us because then we can be assured of victory daily over the evil one. Father in heaven, we thank you for this time that we've had together in your word. I pray that you would help us. Father, you know our attitudes, you know our own hearts, you know each individual this morning and our desire or lack thereof for your word. So Lord, I pray that you would take your word that we've looked at this morning and drive it deep into our hearts. So that as we leave today, we would not forget what we've learned from your word, what we've seen in your word, and that we would realize that, that victory is ours because of Christ. And victory is ours because we know the Father and the Son. And daily victory can be ours when we abide in your word, when we, when we live and breathe your word and let it change us from the inside out. And so Lord, change our hearts. I pray that you would help us to glorify you with our lives, with our speech, with our, with our work, with our thought life, with our lives in private. And Lord, we know that, that we can be conformed to your image if we, will, if we will get your word into us and abide in it and let it abide in us. Oh Lord, do a change in us. Do a work in us. Even a work that's so far beyond us, we have to realize that it is the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit helping us to love Your Word and to read Your Word and to understand it for ourselves. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.